I want to play a song, and it's not a Christian song, but it's a song that's really struck me. And we carry on with our series on Acts, and I want to read just a portion out of Acts 3, and it's 10 verses, and this is going to be our kind of our foundation scripture for today. And it says here, Acts 3 from verse 1, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. So these guys, they're en route, they're just going about doing, they had a plan to get to the temple. It says, And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention to them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the, at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were all filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So, I was reading a book recently on, uh, it's a book I've been going through for probably about two years, and I, I'm probably halfway through. I read it every now and then, and I'll read a portion and just kind of work through it. And it's a book I've mentioned before called Dangerous Calling, and it's a book on, on pastoring. And, and, and one of the, the risks they talk about with pastors getting burnt out is that they start to become too familiar with the things of God, and they lose their awe of the majesty of the king. So they see things happen, they see things take place, and they start taking it for granted. Here it says, and they were all filled with a wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. <clears throat> and on Friday morning, I was driving Libby to school. Kayla was at a school camp. And I said to her, as we were coming up towards the flag farm road, I said, Libs, should we go the normal route or should we take a different route? She goes, Dad, you choose. I said, no, choose. Normal route or different route? But you've got to choose quickly because now I'm seeing the flag farm roads coming up. So the different route is going to be going that way. She says, no, different route. So her and I decided to, to detour and we landed up going via the farm road. <clears throat> I didn't want to come out at Brentonwood because of the traffic there. So I drove through Sheffield. And while I was driving, it's one of my favorite roads if you go drive along the coast in Sheffield because you're so high above the ocean. And you get these incredible views just looking out upon the sea. And <clears throat> there's a song I'm going to play for us now. But I played this song for us as we were driving. And, and I just said to her, did you ever think that you would get to drive to school and we get to detour like this, looking at the ocean like this, en route to school? Like, do you understand what we are going through right now, in this moment, we are driving to school and we are getting to witness the majesty of the ocean. And, and I, honestly, there was a moment of just awe at, geez, Lord, how did we land up here? How did we land up in this place? There's something about that. And the opening lines of the song, it says, I drove all night to get to this place. And it's, it's a song about paradise. And, and I realized it's so easy to take for granted the ocean while driving to school because we don't have to drive all night to get there. 
I mean, I think of you guys and the trip that you took to, to J-Bay. And, and I, I remember chatting to you and you were saying about stopping off in, uh, was it East London? At the, the bird sanctuary. And there was something of, this place is incredible. There, there, then I, I speak to you and you're like, and, and the first thing I did um, when I got to J-Bay, hey Jen, what was the first thing he did? He went, jumped in the sea and went surfing. Um, this is this moment after the, um, one of the, the championship tour uh, surfing events. The pros are there and, and we're in the same water. And there's this, I drove two days to get there. But I, I remember hearing the excitement in Emmanuel's voice as he shared about the wonder of the break and the swell at J-Bay. And how there's these different, different places that, that have different characteristics. But there was this absolute awe. And then I bump into Dale, who went with them. And he tells me, Nick, this place is incredible. He says, the, the, the break, the swell. And then I heard the same childlike excitement come through. And so play the song and then we'll go on from there. Kissing my skin, and I just wanna take it in. Yeah, I just wanna take it in. Breathe it in and out. This is what it's all about. These are the moments, the moments we live for. Once in a lifetime, everything we want more. This is the start of a new day. These are the moments we live for. We'll be the place where the ocean meets the sky. We'll soak it up and have the time of our lives. We'll make these memories our own all the fame. Cause we just wanna take it in. Yeah, we just want to take it in. Yeah, these are the moments, the moments we live for. Once in a lifetime, everything we want more. This is the start of a new day, a good life. These are the moments we live for.
And so if I had to title this message, I'd like to title it The Moments We Live For. Um, the moments where things happen that completely blow us away. Shanae and I went to Sondela recently. Her folks have a house there. We got to spend some time there. And we were chatting about bucket list places to go and see. And one of the things that we discussed was how sometimes other people's normal is our bucket list. So I'd love to go see the Eiffel Tower at night in Paris. I wonder how awe-inspiring that is for the people who live in Paris and work next to the Eiffel Tower day in and day out. Do they see the, the, the wonder of this bucketless place? People look at us and say, oh, we go to Sondela to go hide away because we've been there so many times before. So we go there and that's our vegetate place. Other people who have never seen wildlife, never seen giraffe. I mean, we went for a jog and we, we along the path where these beautiful giraffes standing there. We had to stop our run because they were standing across the path. And I think people might look at this and say, I would give anything to have experienced that. And we can almost take it for granted because it's something that's become normal. And, and I want to look at this, these moments in two ways. One, what are the things that we experience on a day-to-day -day basis, just in life, that we've maybe started to take for granted? But two, have we started to lose the awe of the majesty of the king and moments that we get to share with him? Peter and John were on their way up to the temple. It's the ninth hour. They're just going about doing their thing. And they encounter this man who's lame from birth. And they have this moment with him where they, they, they share the name of Jesus. And this man stands up. He's never walked a day in his life. He was lame from birth. And it says, and his feet and his ankles were made strong. And, and he gets up and he starts leaping around and walking and praising God. Like, do we understand <laughs> the incredible moments? And I just love the song, These Are the Moments We Live For. Babe, can you play that, that audio? This is a message I got from Henny uh, yesterday. He sent it to Shanae and I, to Zelda, and to Luan and Jackie. And it's just a testimony of uh, some of the stuff that they experienced in Kenya. He's in Kenya at the moment. And I want to stir something up within us. Something I didn't put on the, what, uh, on the message to Marcus was that on... Sunday, um, mom had a word that we should um, be expectant of, of the miraculous. And uh, anyway, so I went to preach at this little, little, little church. And um, I had a few words of knowledge and called people forward for prayer. Um, and eight people got healed uh, that that morning, um, which was so cool for me because of the fact that uh, Mom had this this word um, that something was going to happen, and and so when it did, uh, it was just so cool as a as a confirmation. Uh, today, I I um, had 
the three words of knowledge for people to be healed of, of stuff, but then uh, called obviously for a bunch of other, other things. And uh, 22 people got healed uh, in, our, in our meeting of various, of various things, um, from uh, knees and backs and necks and things like that, and uh, stomach, chest, I can't remember all the other things. But um, yeah, so uh, it, it was super, super encouraging just to, just to experience that with, with the guys as well. Just amazing. We read scripture and we see this unfolding and we realize that these things are still happening to this day. Um, when we were there in Kenya the last time, one of the pastor's wives came to us and said, I've been struggling with severe headaches for 22 years. I battle. They, they've been debilitating. I've gone to see doctors. I've seen specialists. I've had every test and they cannot figure out what's wrong with me. And we said, can we pray with you? And immediately the headache left. And, and a couple of months later, she sent Henny quite an emotional message saying, um, I cannot tell you what it's like to be living a life free from headaches. It's gone. It hasn't come back. It's just, and, and nothing special happened. It was nothing scripted. It was nothing forced. It just, we prayed and God did something. And, and if you carry on reading in Acts, which we'll probably look at in the next couple of weeks, you see the, the outworking of what Peter starts to, to break open what happened with this man. Because people start to inquire and there's an encounter with Jesus that took place. And, and Mark 16 from verse 15 to 20, this is one of our big rock scriptures. We talk about Matthew 28, we talk about Mark 16. It's the two things that, that link up with Acts 1.8 of Jesus sharing something before he, he ascends into heaven. And it says here from verse uh, 15, it says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole of creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. The New King James says, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they'll speak in new tongues, they'll pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them. And they will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere. And while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. My first point is signs follow them. They don't follow the signs. So I think one of the, the challenges with church is we land up going through seasons where we become very extreme as the global church. And once we become extreme in something, we become fearful of it. And we actually start to hide away. And, and I know that there's been seasons where the church has gone and followed the gold dust and followed signs and wonders and everything has become about the signs and wonders. But the Bible says that signs follow them. Peter and John were walking to the temple and they encountered a man and they gave him what they had. And all they gave him is they gave him Jesus. We need to be a people who give Jesus. And what happens is signs and wonders follow. I shared the testimony of the sound system. For me, that's a miraculous sign and wonder. It's a divine encounter by God in a moment that he does something amazing. And what happens is you land up having a group of people who are filled with wonder and amazement. They get to witness this and they think, sure, how did this happen? Explain a little bit more about what's going on. Um, these signs and wonders, we don't have to go and follow them. 
but they do follow us. And the Bible speaks of it. And we get to walk and speak the name of Jesus. We get to look at people and say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. The second thing is, it says here from verse 3, seeing Peter and John. So this man saw Peter and John about to go into the temple. He asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John. I've shared before, the word sourborn means I see you. So not only did he see them with an expectation, they looked and they directed their gaze at him and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them. He saw Peter and John. Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John. They said to him, look at us, and he fixed his attention on them. There's this back and forth of seeing. And, and, and my second question is, how many people see us that we do not see? Are we open as we go about our day-to-day business? One of the things that, that we see kind of unfolding through the Gospels on a day-to-day basis is Jesus ministered through the interruptions. He didn't fight them. He didn't hide away. He was en route to when... So, I mean, I love the story of the woman with the blood because Jesus is ministering to the crowd. Jairus comes and says, My daughter, Jesus, is on his way through an interruption with Jairus and he has the woman with the blood touch him and he's interrupted in an interruption. What happens is Jairus sees this woman get healed and immediately his faith is stirred up. And Jesus gets to his house and says, those without faith, he sends them out and he takes in only those who had faith to believe. He says over Jairus' daughter, Talita Kumi, sits up. But Jairus could easily have said, don't you know that you're en route with me? What are you doing with this lady? It's not about her, it's about me, it's about my daughter. The crowd could have said about Jairus, no, no, no. Not about you, it's about uh, us. But they have this interruption with an interruption. And you know what happens? The crowd is blessed, Jairus' daughter is healed, and the lady with the blood is set free from a, a debilitating disease that has cost her many years of her life. And for me this morning, I want to stir up something in us where we get to see people. I remember years ago, I remember sitting in maths class and uh, a guy walked in. He was a little guy and it was the middle of the year and he walked into our class with a backpack on his back and I thought to myself, there's no way this guy's in our grade. Um, I've never seen him before. He's obviously lost and he walks in and he says, hi, my name is Michael. I've just come and joined from another school and this is, I believe, where I'm meant to be. Now, I remember, it's weird, I remember this vividly of this guy walking into the class. And I, and I remember seeing him, and he, he came from a new school. He had moved here uh, to Joburg and walked into our classroom, and all of a sudden he's part of our class. And I remember going out, and for no particular reason, but I remember going and greeting him and making him feel at home. New guy, welcome the guy. And a couple of years later, he broke his leg uh, at school and he was in hospital and I went to the hospital and got my mom to drop me off there to go see him that evening. And his mom sat me down and she just said to me, Nick, I want to thank you for acknowledging him when he came. 
I cannot tell you how much of a blessing it was that he had you when he joined that school. For me, I had taken it for granted. It was nothing. It was just saw him. But for his mom, it was such a significant thing because for them, they were really worried about him settling in. Um, he was a little guy, um, probably open to being bullied, and yet something about that day, and I, I don't know why I remember it so vividly, but I remember the day as well when his mom just said, thank you. I want to thank you for the impact that you've had, and I, I've done nothing. But what happened was just an opportunity for God to, to intervene and do something, and do something well. Um, the third point is God gives us what we need and not what we want. It says here, Peter directed his gaze at him and at John and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from him. What was he expecting to receive? Money. Now they could have blessed him with finances and he could sit for the remainder of his days as a man who was lame. But in that moment, God did something special and gave the man what he needed and not what he wanted. And immediately, he leapt up. <coughs> he needed to be set free from this thing that was debilitating his life. He didn't need to survive. Just eat today. And, and God did something. And what an incredible testimony of the things that... I think sometimes we look at it and we say, Lord, I'm praying for this and I'm not getting what I want. But God's doing something where he's giving us what we need. And that's the, the incredible God that we serve. Um, number four, we need to be aware of physical and spiritual opportunities to help people rise up. Not every miracle is going to be a person who's lame being set free and they're going to stand up and walk. But what about the people who are wounded and broken? And we get to walk up next to them and we get to lift them up and say, come, rise up. Number five, we need to bring people along with us. It says, and leaping up, he stood and began to walk and he entered the temple with him. So what happened is not only did this guy get healed, but this guy got healed and landed up going to where they were going. We need to bring people alongside us and bring them with us, because in that, he found what he was looking for. And it says, in walking and leaping, in praising God, he had an encounter with Jesus. So they took him, he sat outside the temple gates for many years, and now he transitioned from outside the temple into the temple, and he walked with them, praising God. He had an encounter, but they brought him alongside, and they brought him with him. Number six, the miraculous follows believers, but it is often the first encounter with Jesus for those who are healed and for onlookers. So for us, this stuff should be following us, but for others, it might be the first time that they ever get to experience Jesus. I was, I was listening to uh, uh, just a thing that Richard Dawkins was talking about as a devout atheist who speaks very strongly about the Christian faith to the point that he actually says faith is evil. And, and, and I've been kind of mulling through in my heart and I was thinking, I wonder, Lord, what it will take for that man to have a revelation of you. 
Because the truth is, we can't change his mind without a revelation. He needs a revelation of the king. And I wonder if he was present at a time like this, would that moment in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth get up and walk, if he would have seen the power in the name of Jesus. Because as I said, Peter goes on to explain a little bit more about the name of Jesus, having faith in the name of Jesus in the, in the scriptures that are to come. You've got to be aware that there's some people who have never, ever had the opportunity to witness what God is doing. And sometimes the things that we might even have lost our awe in is their first opportunity to ever encounter the king. And lastly, we need to be a people who get back to a place of awe and wonder. In everything, just come to bring life and life in abundance, Jesus says. There's something for me in that that's just been stirring in my heart over the last few days is get back to a place of awe and wonder where we get to just enjoy the presence of the king. saw a video of a lady surfing the other day and it says you've got to watch it twice because she comes through and she does this incredible air on this wave and she lands it but behind her you just see this giant whale tail coming out of the, the ocean and it's like this, this, this two, two moments that, 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 that kind of overlaps and it was something so special about it. You're like, wow. I'm trusting that we will have moments of just absolute wow. As we were sitting yesterday discussing the sound system, and it's something that almost seems so futile and pointless, yet it's, wow, Lord. Um, and, and one of the couples that we got to meet, a couple from the retirement village, they were, they were just chatting to us, and they were talking about us moving here. We were sharing how we came because we wanted to plant a church, and we were talking about the, the school, and they were asking what school are our kids in. We were telling them the testimony of our kids getting accepted to Amshlali the day we arrived here, and, and how that was a confirmation for us because we moved in faith without them being accepted. And the day we arrived, we get the confirmation email, and I remember standing at Mama G's with tears rolling down my face, so what your Lord, you're in this. You've done something. And wow. And we got to share this with people that we had met yesterday. Just random share testimony and courage. And, and, and they were excited to hear the stories. But what a privilege it is. So um, what I'd like to do, babe, will you go call the, uh, the ladies? Oh, bro, can I ask you, do you want to grab the, the, the bread and things? Put this down here for now. Do you guys want to grab, feel free to, to break the bread, share it, share it around, grab a, a cup. It's awesome to get together and, and break bread, and I think there's something about that. And I just want to read through a little bit of scripture, and then we can, we'll break bread together and pray together, and then we're going to go into a time of worship. And I'm hoping that in that, we just allow God to stir up a, a revelation, a rekindling of um, just... His majesty and the things that he does. And um, I, was, I was mocking Shanae the other day, but it was an incredibly sweet moment when she was listening to a song, uh, and it was a worship song, and she just burst into tears, and she goes, Jesus loves me. <laughs> and she just had this moment of re uh, revelation, and, and there's something about that that's so sweet in the fact that getting back to a place of remembering the gift of the gospel.
So Luke 24 from, I mean 22 from verse 14 to 20 says, And when the hour came, he reclined at the table. I love Jesus and I love how he does things. The hour referring to the time when he's about to go through the greatest persecution of his life. And it doesn't say when the hour came, he sat pensively at the table. When the hour came, he took it seriously and he, he had this really strict moment. It says, and when the hour came, he reclined at the table. It says something about his character in how he faced adversity. It says, and the apostles with him, and he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. There was something about this moment that was sweet for him. He's been waiting for this time. He's been waiting to enjoy this with, with the, the apostles. And it says, For I tell you, I did not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it amongst yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup, that is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. So his body was given for us and his blood was poured out. Jesus didn't spill his blood. He poured it out. It was an intentional act to ensure that we had access to him, access to the Father. Hebrews 10 from verse 19 to 25 says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus... By the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. You know, when Jesus was crucified, the curtain was torn in two. The curtain of the temple, the thing that prevented access to the presence of God, was torn in two. It says, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. There's almost this picture that I have of him standing and holding the curtain back and, and, and greeting us as we enter into the presence. Just hold the curtain back and, and, and just come, come, come through. It says, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from the evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. You know that we cannot enter the presence of God without the righteousness of Christ. That is why when we mess up, it can't prevent us from entering in the presence of God because it's not our righteousness that does it. Condemnation says, ah, you're not worthy to enter. But conviction says, come into the presence because it's His righteousness that qualifies us. Says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, as all the more you see the day drawing near. So we have a confidence to enter the presence of God by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. As his flesh was broken, so the curtain was torn, and the, the boundary, the barrier, the hindrance from us entering the presence of God was removed. And he says, you're welcome. Come through. 
How do we get back to a place of awe and wonder? Stand in the presence of the King and look at Him. There's a song by my Mercy Me, I think it is. I can only imagine. I can only imagine what it would be like when I get to meet Him face to face. Will I fall to my knees? Will I dance? He's saying, come. Come into my presence. So this morning, we're going to... I would like us to start getting ready to put on some worship and just take a moment, have a moment as we, we break bread, as we drink of the cup. I'm going to pray for us and I want to just give us an opportunity to get back to a place of moments like this. Living for moments like this. How sweet they are. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for, for your blood. I thank you for the price that you paid, the fact that you gave your body for us. That you poured out your blood for us so that the curtain could be torn and you could open it up, that we have a confidence to approach the throne. Not by our righteousness, but by yours. Not by our goodness, but by yours. Because your grace is sufficient. And I pray for us this morning, Lord, as we eat of this bread and drink of this wine, Lord, as we do this in remembrance of you, I pray that you will just stir a supernatural, just rekindling in our hearts. It's a song by 363. It says, Jesus, can we talk tonight like when we first met? Jesus, can we talk to you today like when we first met with a passion, a zeal, and excitement, just supernaturally overwhelmed by our moments? May we have that I cannot believe you love me moment. In Jesus' name, amen.